Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Uh, we just want to say happy Mother's Day to you guys. Um, Nicole's hanging out with, actually, Brooke. Brooke <laughs> is hanging out with me today. Um, and I, I just always want to introduce uh, my wife who does so much to lead Vision Cast for our church and has from the very beginning. Um, and we think it's so important uh, that women have a voice in the church. I know I'm a broken record on this. And one of the things I'm doing over the next two weeks is actually, uh, because I get so many questions about this and just felt like a good time to do it, is writing about how to interpret what the scripture says about women preaching, leading in the church, um, because it's something we believe strongly uh, around here and we believe is taught in the scripture. So if you haven't signed up for Unfiltered Talk, which is an email I do every Monday, you can do that at bryantgolden.org. I'm gonna do that starting tomorrow. It's a two-part series on why we believe what we believe. But all that to say, um, I think today is gonna encourage you. I love this message. Um, and so would you guys just pray with me as we ask God to just move in an incredible way in our church this morning among those watching online. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as a church, and we thank you for what you are doing through this group of people among every age, every background. Um, Lord, honestly, every socioeconomic class imaginable. And Lord, we want to continue to be that kind of church. I pray this morning you would speak to us in very specific ways and move powerfully. And we believe that you will, we expect that you will. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible name, amen. Would you guys give it up for my wife, Nicole? Yeah, so yesterday we celebrated 11 years of marriage. Um, I know, been together 12 years, which for us is a feat because before we met each other, um, and yes, my voice is going, so just pray a hedge of protection around it. Um, but as... Um, before we met each other, the longest relationships either of us had were seven months. So I feel like we're, we're doing pretty good with ourselves. Um, and so when I met him, I was 24. He is quite a bit older than me. He was in his 30s. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I married older because I love the older. That's so awkward. I was going to say love the older men. I love him. So... Anyways, y'all can keep your husband safe. I'm not on the prowl. But yeah, so we, <laughs> we're getting started early, guys. And this is a 9 a.m. And I, you guys are historically really quiet. But after her gathering, I know the ladies can bring some noise. So ladies, I'm ready for you, all right? So let's continue her gathering here and, and let's bring it. But yeah, so I met him when I was 24. And um, he was a pastor. I didn't really care about that because he was hot and sexy and funny. And so I married him. And after I married him, I'm like, oh, hot dang. Like, he's a pastor, which makes me a pastor's wife at 25. <laughs> at 25. And so um, I struggled for the first few years because I didn't feel called to be a pastor's wife. I just felt called to marry a hot man. Really, that was it. And I had gone to school. I have a, a teaching um, uh education. Yes. I have a t teaching degree. I taught um, high school English for several years. And so I really felt like teaching, yes, I'll shout out to the teachers. You guys are the real superheroes. But I really felt like teaching was going to be my calling and my purpose. And then I married a pastor and I had no time to teach. So I had to quit my job and 
Um, we started doing Centerpoint full-time. And, um, and so there were several years where I literally, we laugh now, um, but I served or led in every area of the church. So right after we had Ryder, I was um, basically Justin and Bradley combined. I was running CC Kids. I was running Velocity. Um, I, and by running Velocity, like we weren't very big at that time. So legit, like running sound and pro presenter, running the game, running back there to do the bumper video, running up to preach, like that was what we were doing. And so um, I, re- I ran the nursery. I ran host team. The only thing I've not done in the church is parking. So I told Lori Cardosa and her team, I was like, watch out because I'm going to end up there one Sunday. But I, re- I know, I love our parkers. So I did everything. And the frustrating thing was nothing was catching my imagination. I was like, okay, what is my purpose? What is my calling? Like I'm married to a pastor. We're starting this church. And I loved the church. I loved everything about it. But just something was missing in my life. And I started to feel like my life was kind of spiraling because I was involved in so much and trying to do so much. And to keep in theme with what we've been talking about, taking back our lives, I didn't know what to take back. I didn't know how to take it back because I didn't know what to take back. I, I didn't know what my purpose and my calling was. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of you that as we've been going through this series, you've been resonating with so much of what Brian's been talking about, but you're kind of at this place where you're like, okay, I wanna take back my life, but I don't know what my purpose and my calling for my life is. I don't know really what I can take back because I'm all over the place and it causes deep insecurity. And I'm not gonna speak just to the ladies today. I'm gonna be preaching to you men too, so I'm sorry in advance. But I will say, ladies, this is especially difficult for us. And I wrote this down because in a world of supermodels, computer generated images, Victoria's Secret fashion shows, Cosmo, Joanna Gaines and HGTV. And I love Joanna, but it's hard to keep up. We just feel like we cannot keep up, can we? And men, I tried to think about what a list for you, but I really couldn't come up with any. I'm like barbecue master, I don't know, hot sex bods. I'm not sure. I don't know what you're trying to keep up with, but whatever it is for you, we feel like we can't keep up and we get deeply, deeply insecure. We're trying to be everything for everybody else instead of who exactly God has made us to be. And so it causes deep, deep insecurity. Then, the, then what we do is we drown out God's voice with everybody else's because we're afraid that we're gonna become obsolete. We're afraid we're gonna be replaced. And so we're trying to be everything we can be for everybody else. We're trying to meet everybody else's expectations. And it's no wonder we can't figure out what our purpose and our calling is because we're listening to everybody else instead of to what God and who God says we should be. See, I'm gonna try to go slower for you guys today too. Usually I, I like rush through 9 a.m. because I'm nervous and 11 a.m. gets loose and appropriate me. So I'm gonna like really try to slow down for you guys. But Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says that God's created us for more. And I always read out of the message because it's really wordy and it's perfect for me. But Ephesians 2.10 says this. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten us ready to do, the work we had better be doing. And so here's what I wanna tell you this morning, and this is what we're gonna talk about, is finding your purpose and your calling. God has created each of you for something specific. And I think sometimes we can get discouraged and lost in trying to figure out what our purpose and calling is because we get into these situations and these messes that we've created ourselves. And so we think, okay, we've totally missed our purpose and our calling because of that season where I messed up really bad. Or maybe something's been completely out of your control and someone's messed up a season for you. And so you think, This is so unfair. Like I was pursuing my calling. I was pursuing my purpose. And then someone came in and derailed the whole thing for me. And so now what do I do? 
And so here's what I wanna tell you this morning, that God wants to make your mess his purpose for your life. He wants to redeem and to rescue. This is something we talked about at her gathering when we looked at the um, life of Esther. He wants to take your mess and make it his purpose. And um, I'm gonna apologize to Jacqueline, who's on Pro Presenter this morning, because I put in Romans 8, 26 to 28, and I'm only gonna le- read the last verse. Romans 8, 28, you guys know it, right? I'm gonna read it to you out of the message. It says this, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Every detail in your life. Now, notice in the scriptures, it doesn't say only the good details. Only the details when you were following after Jesus and loving Jesus. Only the details when you were doing everything right. Only the details when everything was going well in your life. No, it says every detail, which means those moments and those seasons that were completely out of your control and something happened to you, or those moments and those seasons in your life when you purposely messed up, Every detail he wants to work for good. And so in those first few years of marriage, so many of you know our story. I got diagnosed with three mental illnesses, anxiety, depression, and borderline. And our marriage barely survived. And as we were working through those few couple of years, we realized how little there was being said and done about mental health and mental illness, specifically in the church as a whole. Christians, leaders, we're not talking about mental health or mental illness because up until that point, if you had a mental illness, it meant that you had some unresolved sin issue in your life you hadn't dealt with. And I'm here to tell you that I was following Jesus faithfully. It wasn't an unresolved sin issue in my life. It was that I was broken and had been raised by broken people because we're all broken, right? And so I was wrestling through also growing up in a very legalistic um, environment that really screwed me up. And so I had to figure out, okay, there is a lot of pain here. There's a lot of mess Maybe is this the purpose you have for my life? To start speaking out about mental health, to start speaking out about mental illness. Because God is in the business of redeeming and rescuing. He starts with us first. He redeems and rescues us. And then what does he say? He says, go out and tell your story so that I can redeem and rescue other people. We respond to people's stories because we realize, hey, I'm not alone in this. And if God can do something in your life, he can do it in my life. And so we have to begin to own and be brave enough to own our voices and our stories. God has given you a voice. He's given you influence. He's given you a story. And you have to begin to be brave enough to own that because maybe, just maybe, that's your calling. Maybe, just maybe, that's your purpose. And so I wanna look at a man in scriptures. His name is Nehemiah. This is from the Old Testament. And Nehemiah was living a pretty mundane existence, okay? He had been exiled. He was a Jew who was living in Israel, in Jerusalem. He'd been exiled into Susa. And now he's working for a king that is not his king. It's a foreign king. He's working for this king. He's the cupbearer. We're gonna talk about what that means in just a minute. But he's working for this king in Susa. His brother goes back to Jerusalem to check things out. Jerusalem had been completely destroyed, okay? And you have to understand, and I know, Oh, and I love this. We have um, several people from Jewish descent who attend our church. And I always get nervous when I start talking about Jewish history because they usually like critique me afterwards, which I'm so grateful for. But I think it's awesome. But anyways, you have to understand for the Jewish people, the temple, the walls around Jerusalem, all of that was not just highly significant because of the historical context, but because of the cultural and the faith side of things as well. This was their everything. And so nations had come in and basically ransacked the temple. They had destroyed the walls. And so Jerusalem now is just kind of left out and open. Um, 
This is not a good comparison, but just to get your brain thinking that way, it'd be like if someone came in and just utterly destroyed Washington, D.C., okay? Except that that's not the representation of our um, faith. For some of you it is, and that's a shame. But that's not the representation of our faith, okay? And so that would make the difference. I'm sorry if I just lost several of you. I love you in Jesus' name. And so we're gonna pick up in Nehemiah chapter one. Again, Jacqueline, I'm sorry. I'm gonna skip to verse three. So bear with Jacqueline as she jumps around because I didn't give her any warning. Verse three says this. um, Nehemiah asked his brother, he said, hey, what is it like over in Jerusalem? And this is what they said. They said, the exile survivors who are left there in the province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is still in rubble. The city gates are still cinders. Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah is completely distraught because really to them, Jerusalem, the temple was a representation of God. And so they were almost embarrassed like that these foreign nations were able to come in and destroy it because they felt like God's reputation had also been destroyed. We know that's not true, but that's how they felt. And so he's mourning and fasting. He's feeling the pain of this, trying to figure out what on earth can I do? And then he realizes he's the cupbearer for the king. And so for those of you who don't know, cupbearers, basically what they would do is they risk their life every single day. They would eat and drink the food before it got to the king. So if Nehemiah died, the king would know then not to eat or drink that food. And so this produced a very trusting relationship between the two of them. And so Nehemiah realized, wait a minute, I've got the king's ear. I can go to him and ask him, hey, would you let me head back to Jerusalem for a little while? He trusts me, he knows I'm loyal. And so as I was thinking about this, I'm like, listen, some of you are in a very painful place in your life. You're in a very painful season. And you're trying to figure out what is the purpose of this pain? How is God going to use this in my life? And I wrote this down because I thought this was so interesting about Nehemiah. God placed him there to prepare him for his purpose. Maybe God has placed you in this season of pain to prepare you for your purpose. Maybe he's got some redeeming and rescuing to do in your life and then that he wants you to do in other people's lives. But we have to stop and think, okay, what season am I in? Maybe I chose my way into this season. Maybe someone else chose my way into this season, but what season am I am? And then what is the purpose for this pain? How can I surrender this to Jesus and allow him to redeem and rescue it, to use it not only in my life, but in someone else's life? And so Nehemiah goes to the king, asks the king permission. The king says, absolutely, you can head back and then sends him with all these supplies and um, all these things that he can use to start rebuilding the wall. And so before he heads back, he's like, listen, I need to get some community to go with me. I need some homies. I need some friends. And so in Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18, Nehemiah starts to build a team. It says this, I gave them my report. Face it, we're in a bad way here. This is why I love the message. Jerusalem is a wreck. The gates are burned up. Come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem and not live with this disgrace any longer. I told them how God was supporting me and how the king was backing me up. And they said, and I love this, we're with you. Let's go get started. So they rolled up their sleeves ready for the good work. See, when you're in a season of pain and when you start to discover your purpose or your calling, you've gotta get a team, a tribe of people around you. 
and that can support you and walk with you through this purpose and through this calling because we're gonna find out here in a second, it's not gonna be easy. Sometimes you guys think the hardest part is discovering what your purpose and your calling is when the hardest part is starting to actually walk it out because the enemy is not gonna be happy that now you've got a voice and a story that you're gonna use. And so he builds a team of people and here's what I love. They say, hey, we're with you, let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves and now they're joining in on the calling. And so the second question I wanna ask you is this, what are you saying no to that maybe someone else is waiting for you to say yes to? In other words, this is what I wrote down. Maybe someone else's calling is dependent on you answering your call. Have you ever thought of that? And as I was writing this message, I started thinking about Centerpoint Church. It's so funny because Centerpoint Church has been come to be known as the mental health church in our area. Because we talk so openly and honestly about mental illness and mental health, and so we have people come here specifically for that. And so what's been cool is, is as Brian and I have stepped into our purpose and our calling of talking about mental health and owning that, so many of you have stepped into that calling. And here's something else that's really cool. I would say almost every single one, and I'm sorry that I'm about to call out our staff, but almost every single one of our staff members are in counseling right now. Because Brian and I have been brave enough to say, hey, we're in counseling, we still need it. and so almost every single one of our staff members are in counseling and we are walking in health because Bryant and I were like, hey, we're gonna step into this pain. We're gonna step into this calling to start talking to people openly and honestly about mental health and mental illness. And so what is someone waiting for you to say yes to so that they can say yes to their calling and their purpose? This also created a strong environment. So when they faced opposition, they were stronger together and they were gonna face opposition. Look at this with me in Nehemiah 4, 6 through 14. It says, the whole wall was soon joined together and halfway to its intended height because the people had a heart for the work. Now, I think it's interesting and I wanna stop here. Notice the wall is halfway to its intended height and everybody has a heart to work. So when you start getting into your purpose and your calling, the first little bit's like the honeymoon phase, right? You have a heart for it, you're excited about it, you're ready to go, things are moving, and then watch what happens. When Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem were going so well, that the breaks in the wall were being fixed, they were absolutely furious. So the enemy is not gonna be happy when you start living in your calling, when you start pursuing your purpose, when you start redeeming and rescuing others with your story, he's not gonna be happy about it. It says, they put their heads together and decided to fight against Jerusalem and create as much trouble as they could. So what did we do? We countered with prayer to our God and set round the clock guard against them. And this is where your tribe comes in. When you're pursuing your calling, when you're pursuing your purpose, and all of a sudden you start to come up against opposition, you need your tribe to stand round the clock with you and pray over you and with you and encourage you. See, my tribe, not everybody is into mental health and mental illness like I am, but you know what they've done? They've bought into and caught on to the vision God has given me in my life. And so they're my cheerleaders. They're coming alongside of me when I'm discouraged and ready to give up. And they're saying, no, keep going, keep going. Think about all that Jesus has done. We know there's more for you. Keep pursuing this. I think about the story in the Old Testament when Moses um, led the, the Israelites um, to fight in a battle. And I'm gonna be honest with you, can't remember who it was against. So some of you Bible scholars, I'm sorry, shame on me. But they were fighting in a battle and God told Moses, do you remember this? You keep your arms up and as long as your arms are raised up, you're gonna win the battle. And if you bring your arms down, you're gonna lose the battle. And so Moses could keep his arms up for probably about 20 minutes. I mean, try this sometimes, this is brutal. 
And so his arms started to droop, they started to lose. And so the um, leaders of Israel started coming around him and holding up his arms. Well, then their arms got tired. So I love this imagery in the scriptures. They brought boulders and rocks. And so basically like the guys are like this on the boulders and then they're holding up everybody's arms and they ended up winning because they all pulled together. And see, sometimes we get tired, right? We're pursuing our calling, we're pursuing our purpose, we're going after it. It's painful sometimes because we're, we have to enter back into the pain of our past in order to get healed. And sometimes to be empathetic and sympathetic, we have to enter back into the pain of our past to say, I've been there, but here's where you can go. And it can get draining and exhausting. And so we need our tribe to come around us and say, no, I'm gonna lift up your arms. I'm gonna be there and encourage you and pray you through this. And you're gonna keep going and keep fighting. And so I love that he had this tribe. And so it says this, it says the builders are pooped. <laughs> I love this. It says, I'm sorry, I skipped some. It said, but soon word was going around in Judah. The builders are pooped. The rubbish piles up. We're in over our heads and we can't build this wall. And sometimes we get so discouraged just when we're exhausted, right? So I don't know how many of you follow Brian and I on Instagram, but a couple of days ago, he put up this story, which is making fun of me, which is fine. I still love him. But um, we did her gathering last Saturday and then, or whenever that was, and now I'm preaching today. And it's just kind of been a lot for me. And whenever I'm giving out a lot emotionally, which I don't know how Bryant does this every week. Um, Bradley does it every Wednesday. Y'all need to pray for these communicators who are preaching week in and week out, because this is exhausting. But I started getting discouraged and I'm like, I can't do anything. Like my blogs suck, everything sucks, my life sucks. I'm just gonna get in bed all day. And he's like, what is wrong with you? You know, sometimes husbands aren't the best people to have on your tribe, but he's like, He's like, where is my happy Nicole? And I was like, stop asking me that, you know? And so sometimes we just get exhausted and we just need someone to say, hey, go take a nap, you know? Go, go take a bubble bath. I, I think bubble baths are gross, but if that's your thing, go take a bubble bath, sitting in your own filth, but that's beside the point. Go out on a date, go watch a movie, whatever you gotta do, just take a breather. And so it says, the Jews, the Jews who were their neighbors kept reporting, they have us surrounded, they're going to attack. If we've heard it once, we've heard it 10 times. So I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places on the wall and designed people by families with their swords, lances, and bows. After looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. I said this, do not be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master. It's so easy to get distracted by the noise and start looking at everything and everyone else, isn't it? And it's so easy to get distracted by our circumstances. And the moment we start to do that, we get discouraged. And so Nehemiah is telling us, put your minds back on the master. And then he goes a step further. He says, he's great and awesome. And then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Some of us need to be reminded that we're not just fighting for our purpose and our calling. It's what I said earlier, you're fighting for other people's as well. Some of you are fighting for your marriages, some of you are fighting for your children. Some of you are fighting for siblings. Some of you are just fighting for yourself. But you have to set your mind on the master and then you have to remember who you're fighting for. And that helps you realign your vision and your purpose and your calling. 
See, opposition attacks the breaks in our hearts and makes us vulnerable. And so you have to be aware of what those triggers are, what those most vulnerable areas in your life are. And if you don't know what they are, your close friends and family members can tell you. There's sometimes where I'm walking through a season where I'm just triggered, I'm discouraged, and I can't figure out what it is. And so Bryant and I will sit down and talk through, okay, this happened, this happened. Oh, that was the trigger. That was the problem. That's where my most vulnerable place is right now. And so it's so helpful to know where your breaks and your walls are, your most vulnerable places, so that you can kind of set up round-the-clock accountability, so you can set up your tribe to be praying over that, and so that you can be aware of when you're in those situations, okay, this is gonna get me distracted. I'm gonna start listening to the noise. I'm gonna take my mind off the master and forget who I'm fighting for. And so it's so important that we make sure that those breaks in the walls have some strength and stability there. And then I love this line too. It says, Nehemiah was so confident in his calling and community that he didn't listen to the noise. Look, look at this next verse. It says this, Nehemiah 2.20 said, I shot back the God of heaven. Nehemiah is such, he's so BA. I don't know if I can say the full phrase on stage yet, but so I'll just say, but he said, I shot back. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we're going to work rebuilding. You can stick to your own business. What does it say? Say it with me. What's this next line? You. Okay. Oh, man. You guys stink. Say it again. You. Yes. You get no say in this. Nehemiah looked right at him and he said, this is our calling. This is our purpose. This is what God's asked us to do. We're busy doing it. You don't get a say in this. And some of you need to shut up the voices around you because they don't get a say in your life. I love this. One of the um, podcasts that's gonna be dropping um, soon here in season two of Scar Stories, I I talk with a former divorce attorney, Tony Newhoff. And she wrote a book, it's called Before You Split. And so if you're in a rough area in your marriage, I would encourage you to read this book. It's really good. I, I love it. It's one of the best books on marriage I've ever read, especially if you're going through a difficult season. But as we, I was interviewing her, she said, you have to pay very close attention to the type of cheerleaders you have in your life. See, some of you have some really negative cheerleaders. They're encouraging you to cut and run. They're encouraging you to fester your wounds. They're encouraging you to remain in your mess. They're encouraging you to self-medicate. They're not meaning to, but they are doing that. And you're listening to these cheerleaders and you're staying stuck and you're not allowing God to use your mess for his purpose in your life. And so you've got to surround yourself with the right kind of noise, the right kind of cheerleaders that are going to encourage you to get healthy, that are going to encourage you to pursue after your calling. And I, and I want to speak to you in love right now because I get a lot of people who come up to me after we talk about mental health or mental illness, and they'll say to me, you're so lucky you have Bryant because I have no one. You're so lucky you have friends and a community because I have no one. And it frustrates me a little bit because that shouldn't be an excuse. You can find a community. You can find people to be in your corner. It just takes some work. And it takes you choosing to stop hiding behind your shame. And it takes you being brave enough and willing enough to let other people in. And it's not always right away. You may need to kind of feel some people out. Are they gonna be strong enough and okay enough? And have they dealt with their shame to be able to walk through your shame with you? And some of you are like, well, I've gone to a counselor and it didn't work. Well, you need to go again. 
I don't care if you've seen two, three, four, five counselors. You keep going till you find the right counselor. Community, getting the right cheerleaders, finding the right tribe, that takes work. That takes intention. That takes courage. And so I love you, but I don't want to hear those excuses anymore. You have to be brave enough to pursue it and go after it, and you're going to need it if you're going to follow God's purposes and calling in your life. So I want to leave you with this. Only certain people get a say in your life, and you decide who those people get to be. And there may be seasons in your life when you have to put up some boundaries and pull away from certain people, and you don't need to do what I do, which is over-explain, okay? (laughs) That'll make it worse. But there may be some relationships that you need to take a little bit of a break from for a while because they're just not in a good place. And then you need to start pursuing and going after people that you know will push you and encourage you after your calling and your purpose in life. So who are the voices that you're listening to? Who have you surrounded yourself with? I love the last thing we're gonna take a look at is in Nehemiah 4, 17, is they're up against um, opposition. Nehemiah starts fighting back and says this, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and they held a weapon in the other hand. And so they've gone from building to building with a bunch of people around them for protection, to now building with weapons in one hand and their tools in another hand. Because Nehemiah is not gonna back down from this. And as I started thinking about how that relates to us taking back our lives and pursuing our purpose and our calling in our life, the greatest weapon that you are ever gonna fight the enemy with, the greatest weapon that you're ever gonna fight the noise in your life with, the greatest weapon that you are ever going to use is your identity in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest weapon you have. And some of you don't fully understand what that means. And here's what I mean. That means that Jesus Christ defines your worth. Jesus Christ defines your love, your security. Jesus Christ defines all of that. And I can tell you how he defined it for you. He died on the cross for your sins when you were in the middle of your mess because he wants to spend eternity with you right where you are right now. And so what people think, what they say, and what they do to me doesn't define me. Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection defines me. And I wanna talk to some of you ladies here just for a minute because Mother's Day really sucks for some of you. Because culture has taught us as women, and it's crazy, even for as far as culture has come, that we don't fully step into our worth or our calling as a woman unless we're having children and raising children, right? Even with all the movements with feminism and everything else, there's still this side of us that we know deep down inside, I'm not fully stepping into who I was created to be unless I'm raising children and having children. And I wanna tell you something right now. That's a lie from the enemy. You have worth, you are accepted, and you are loved by God no matter what. And you have a calling and a purpose whether you become a mother or you don't become a mother. And I don't want you to be discouraged by today feeling down and low because maybe you're not fitting in culturally. I want you to be a culture shaper and I want you to go after what God has called you to do and to be. (laughs) 
See, some of you are fighting with the wrong weapons. You're fighting with logic. You're fighting with revenge. You're fighting with anger. You're fighting with insecurity. You're fighting with comparison. You're fighting with jealousy. You're fighting with competition. You're trying to keep up with everyone. You're trying to see where you line up with everyone instead of saying, no, who am I in Christ? I am loved. I am cherished. I am worth. I'm secure. I have acceptance. That's who I am in Christ. I don't have to keep trying to be someone that I'm not. I don't have to keep trying to measure up. I can be who God's called me to be and I can pursue what God's called me to pursue even in the middle of my mess because God wants to redeem and he wants to rescue it. That's who I am and that's what I get to do and that's what I get to be a part of. And so I wanna tell you this, only Jesus can bring dead things back to life. Only he has the power to resurrect what's dead and lost and unfulfilled in your life. And we have to rearrange our lives to make sure God doesn't just fit that he's it. And I wanna tell you this, some of you feel like God's given you too much, right? Some of you feel like you have too much to handle, that you can't handle it all. And and here's what I wanna tell you, for those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you're never given more than you can handle, and here's why. And this is gonna sound really churchy, but just stay with me. You're never given more than you can handle because you're given God and he handles it for you. And so some of you this morning, you're in the middle of your grief. I wanted to talk about this a little bit before, but I got distracted by Bryant's hotness and Brooke's cuteness. <laughs> that some of you um, are missing people this morning, aren't you? Some of you are missing people. Um, I'll say for Bryant and I, we're missing mom. Mom isn't with us this morning. She's been in heaven almost two years. And Mother's Day is bittersweet for us because it's just a reminder of how much I don't know, I've gotten weird. I don't think she's missing, I think she's watching. I think she's with us, I think she sees things. You do that after you lose people and you start studying heaven. But um, I think she's with us, I think she's watching, but she's physically not here, so you start to to miss how much she's missing and, and it's sad. And sometimes it can feel like a lot. And then I think about my brother who's in heaven and he's got two little babies and um, they're celebrating his wife and he's not there to celebrate with them. and. It just kind of seems like a lot sometimes, doesn't it? I know a lot of you have lost parents and children and siblings over the past couple of years and celebrations like this when you're getting all together as the family and someone's not there, that's heavy. That's a lot to handle. And I wanna tell you that Jesus wants to enter into that grief with you. He experienced grief. He walked through the pain of losing people and he wants to enter into that with you. And there may even be a purpose and a calling for that grief. And some of you aren't ready to hear that. And so I wanna be sensitive to that. Some of you just need to experience your grief and to feel it. But I wanna tell you that God wants to handle that with you. You have to surrender and stop fighting against him. God doesn't cause bad things to happen. He does allow them, but he doesn't cause them. And one day he's gonna wipe away all tears. He's gonna make everything whole again. And he's going to put us all back together. And we're gonna live in a space of perfection and safety with our loved ones who have gone on before us. And so that's what you can celebrate today. And so I wanna leave you with these few things. The process of discovering purpose is painful sometimes. There's waiting involved. There's us finding our community and our tribe. There's us dealing with the vulnerability of it all, with us having to work through the noise of it all, with us having to find our identity in Jesus Christ. But, he, but here's your options. You can either keep living f- afraid, insecure, and overwhelmed and not go after any of those things. Or you can have hope, 
a future, a purpose. You can live fulfilled. You can have worth. You can feel secure. Those are your options. And yes, it takes work. We're in such an immediate culture where it's just it's quick fixes, quick fixes, quick fixes. And this is gonna take work. This is gonna take energy on your side. This is gonna take you being vulnerable and open. But it's so worth it. And so I wanna ask you a couple of these questions. I think they should all be on the screen. Are they? I think so, because they're awesome back there. Are you willing to own your story is the first question. The second one is this. Will you find healthy community? Will you do the work? And you know what? We've done a lot of the work for you here with our community groups and our I groups and our tribe groups and our game groups. And we have 50,000 different groups. So if you can't find community here, um, I love you, but that's tough. You, you can find community here. We've got tons of opportunities for you. Have you drowned out God's voice with everyone else's? And is God invited into your everyday life? Here's what I wanna ask you. What would happen? <laughs> can you imagine what would happen if we stopped listening to the noise, if we found community, if we started letting Jesus be our identity, and if we went after our purpose, our voice, our calling, our stories, started using it to redeem and rescue other people? Can you just even imagine what would happen? I wrote some things down. We'd take back our lives and we'd stop comparing ourselves. We'd stop competing with each other. We wouldn't be as exhausted. We wouldn't be so stressed. We'd be secure, confident, and fulfilled. We'd be peaceful and content. Some of you haven't felt peace in years. And we'd leave a legacy. My identity in Christ confirms my purpose in life. And so I wanna ask you this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Would you bow your heads? Some of you have been using every excuse in the book to avoid dealing with your mess, to avoid going after your purpose and your calling. You've been afraid, you've been full of shame. You've been listening to everybody else. You haven't been building a community. You've been so angry and bitter with God, thinking that he's the one that's caused all of this dysfunction in your life. And so for those of you who are Jesus followers here this morning, I just wanna ask, would you be brave enough with just me looking right now to say, hey, I know there's something in my life where I either need to own my story, I need to go after community, I need to stop listening to noise, I need to invite God into my everyday life. There's one of those four questions you just asked that I know that I need to get busy going after. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Awesome, I love it, I love it, I love it. I know there's a lot of you here today too, you were invited by, your, by families and, and, and you may not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and so you're like, I wanna feel fulfilled. I want to have a purpose. I wanna have a calling. I, I want that peace you're talking about but I've tried everything and I don't know how to get it. I don't know what to do. And so here's what I wanna tell you. It's this simple. You don't need to, and we get this all the time. People come up to Bryant and I, and like, I believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't believe in anything else in the scriptures, and I don't understand the dinosaurs and creation and yada, 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 and on and on. It goes, here's what I'm gonna tell you. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. The only thing that Jesus says that's important is, do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and three days later rose again, and he is offering you life, grace, forgiveness, peace, all of those things. He's offering you himself. And so all you have to do in this moment is in your own words, you're just gonna talk to God. You're just gonna say in your own heart and mind, just God, I love you. I know I've done bad things. 
I know I've sinned. That's all that sin means, done bad things. We've all done those. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And I want you to be my savior. It's that simple. Just God, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again, and I'm asking you to be my savior. And if that's you again, I'm the only one looking. I just wanna celebrate quietly. I'm not gonna call you out. But if that's you this morning, you said, I just did that for the first time. Would you just raise your hand so I can just celebrate with you? Awesome, awesome. Jesus, we love you so much. And we're so thankful that you are in the business of redeeming and rescuing our lives, that you wanna take our mess and make it our purpose and our calling in life. And God, some are, are out here and they're just, they're at a loss. They don't know what you can do or what you will do with their mess, but they wanna pursue it and go after it. But they need that community or, or they need to put up some boundaries with some negative voices in their lives or they need to go about reminding themselves who they are in Christ. And God, they just kind of feel overwhelmed. And so the, Lord, for those who raised their hand this morning, I just pray that you'd give them wisdom and courage to do what you're asking them to do. God, I wanna celebrate those who raised their hand and maybe made the decision and didn't raise their hand to accept you as their personal savior. God, that their destinies and their lives are changed in this very moment. God, we love you so much and we're so thankful that you're in the business of making dead things back alive again. We love you, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.